This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. I'm still in the house. He's still (laughs) in the house, at least for a little bit. But welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. Dad could not miss this week, just like we're really hoping you guys are here this week for us. We are at a cocktail week. First cocktail week for you in a while, Dad. Oh, I've been doing cocktails while I was gone. Well, I'm not saying you haven't drank a cocktail. I'm just (laughs) saying a cocktail episode. Exactly. It's been a a while since you've been on a cocktail episode. That is correct. And we are doing brunch cocktails this week. That's right. And so, Dad, why don't you tell everybody what you have? I have a Bloody Mary. And I'll go into the details of how you make this particular Bloody Mary. But... We're going to put a picture on Instagram from a grocery store that just shows all these containers of Bloody Mary mix. And so the happy part about it, I've got a great charcuterie Bloody Mary board, and you'll see that as well. All right, so Dad's going to be doing a Bloody Mary this week, and it is a doozy of a Bloody Mary. My cocktail this week, I know I initially said I was going to do something sparkling, but, you know, we record on Sundays usually here in Arkansas. And I thought I had a bottle of sparkling wine, but I guess I must have drank it all because I didn't have any. Did you? I think you drank it last night over here at our house. I must have. And and I couldn't go buy one today. So rather than doing something sparkling, I'm going to do another one of my favorite brunch cocktails. And I'm doing a a strawberry milk punch. Sounds good. So it's going to be lots of fun. But, I mean, I'm ready to get started. I don't know about you. We don't have a, we don't have to do a. We don't, we don't have, have to talk, talk about, about a blind no, no. this week, so we're going to go ahead and start with that strawberry milk punch. So, Dad, cheers. cheers. So, this strawberry milk punch is actually using our liquor from last week. We're using the Strawberry Dream mm. Appalachian Sippin' Cream from Sugarland Distilling. Wait a minute. Josh, I got some flutters. Oh, yeah. Now, did you make this outside and the gnats got in there? No, you just got to let me talk about my cocktail and you figure out what oh, it is. Well, okay. I'm making sure they're not alive. So a well, milk- they drowned it in alcohol. They're probably dead. <laughs> so a milk punch is a cocktail which uses alcohol and cream to kind of come up with this wonderful cocktail. So it's kind of like a, a beefed up version of the Appalachian Sipping Cream. So what I used was I used bullet rye bourbon or excuse me not rye bourbon rye whiskey and then the Appalachian sipping cream and then the the floaters as dad liked to call them I put some from ground clove and ground nutmeg on top oh, okay. okay so that's what you were seeing as kind of floating on top you know this cocktail dates back you know it dates all the way back to Scotland and actually in the 1600s was the first time that it was attributed to being out there but the first time it ever came into a in a cookbook was in 1711 so this was actually done as yeah it was actually done as a punch so a large like you think about a punch bowl Mm -hmm. it was actually done as a large punch so and sometimes it was actually served warm but we're actually serving ours cool so i thought it would be a fun kind of a fun way to use that appalachian sipping cream Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of recipes you'll find will say, you know, an ounce and a half of, of whiskey, a quarter ounce of, of another liquor, usually dark rum, and then two ounces of cream, and then you can add vanilla as you see fit and other spices. But what I did was I just used two and a half ounces 
of the Appalachian Sipping Cream and an ounce and a half of the whiskey. Shook it up, strained it, then put a little bit of the spices on top. It didn't need any vanilla because it was already in the Sipping Cream. Okay. And I just think it's a really nice, fun cocktail. It's very tasty. And I was over here snacking on uh, a big old waffle. And the sipping cream and the syrup of that waffle and the butter, they go well together. So it is a brunch drink. Yeah. I don't think of it as a brunch drink. You know, there's so many of them out there. It's not the first, you know, the milk, the milk punches is not really something I think of first well yeah the but the first time i ever had a milk punch was actually at at brunt okay i had it at um south on main yeah i had it there i think i've had it there too Mm -hmm. and you know a variation on a milk punch is eggnog eggnog is actually a variation on it right where you use the egg cream Mm -hmm. with it so this is a good little now how much how much of that uh you said it was rye whiskey. How much of the rye whiskey? And we got the strawberry dream. That's twenty percent, if I remember from last week. And then bourbon. What is it gonna, with you and always just, trying I, to figure out the ABV of a cocktail? Well, it's just <laughs> something I like to know. It doesn't taste alcoholic, but I know it is. Well, okay. So how you make it? There's twenty percent alcohol by volume in two and a half ounces of the cocktail. And then in an ounce and a half of a cocktail, it's 45% alcohol. So do your mathematical magic and, and okay, figure so it out. Okay, so it's going to be maybe 30, but, you know, uh, I'm just trying to make sure the listeners don't get freaked out when they see the recipe and think, oh my gosh, this is too alcoholic. Well, yeah. Plus... You've already tagged me with that, make it a double, and that wasn't a double, Mm-mm. but it had plenty in it, but yeah. I'm not tasting it. That's the cool thing about it. No. I mean, it is mostly cream mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of that Appalachian sipping cream, and if you think it's a little bit too alcoholic, you can add some cream or milk in for yourself, but I, want, I think it's, this was just a great use of that, of the sipping cream. No. Where did you get this recipe? Because uh, I think it's very balanced. Uh, did Did you make it up or? Well, or? so when I was looking at traditional bourbon milk punches, it was to make it like single serve. It was a quarter ounce. No, sorry, it was an ounce and a half of bourbon. Hmm. It was a quarter ounce to a half an ounce of dark rum, and then two ounces of rum. Rum. Okay. Two ounces of it was black or black or dark rum. Mm-hmm. It was two ounces of cream, mm-hmm. and then like a quarter ounce of vanilla, mm-hmm. or an eighth of an an eighth of an ounce of vanilla or something. Just a little bit of vanilla, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that the cream and the vanilla and the flavoring was already in the sipping cream. Right. So I just but not rum. It's a we. It's moonshine. We discovered it was moonshine, so we don't need the rum. Right. So I just. So I just, all that volume, I used the sipping cream. And then I just added the ounce and a half of bourbon oh, or okay. whiskey. And whiskey. this, and I didn't have the, the bourbon that I had. That's like my cocktail bourbon. I had four roses, just standard four roses. Oh yeah. Okay. And I thought the bite of the 
rye when the spiciness of the rye would be a little bit better. And so that's why I use that's why I used it. You can use bourbon. If you wanted to use rum as your major liquor, you could. But Clearly. use a dark rum. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it's it's um but it does have a it does have a spicy bite to it. Mm-hmm. And not, that's not like the Bloody Mary, but just a little bit of spice, and that's the cloves and uh, the nutmeg, mm-hmm. as well as the rye. Yeah. So, when was brunch big when you and mom were first married? Was it kind of a big thing like it is now? No, not really. Um, of course, when we first got married, it's like, we're not going out to eat because that's expensive. And then you have kids, and like that makes it even more expensive. So, brunch kind of turned into this thing of I don't want to say it was the millennial thing but it just seems like the 80s brought on the brunch thing and a lot of the restaurants realized that they could put out this big spread of food charge you 1995 or whatever the rate was in the 80s and everybody be happy because somebody like me would calculate how many times I needed to go by <laughs> <laughs> and get the food to see if I made my money. I don't want to get ripped off and I don't want to get go away hungry. Right. And that's kind of how it started to us. Now, the cocktails didn't seem to be the big thing with the brunches until maybe the 90s or 2000s. Now, just the kind of way you were talking about that. I'm assuming that most of the time brunches were a buffet. Yes. Okay. So the brunch buffet is kind of what started it. And was it, yes. on, was it on Sundays? You know, kind of after oh, yeah. church? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of the after church kind of thing to do. And you had to hurry <laughs> to be to beat service certain prisoners or otherwise you was a big long line. <laughs> you would know which churches got out when and how exactly. far they would be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so what about on vacation? Are there like places you guys go that will the resorts do brunch or is it usually just breakfast or lunch? So our resort doesn't have a, a restaurant on property. Okay. They used to have one. But it wasn't, so it was on the property, but it wasn't really the resort's restaurant. Now, are we talking about St. Martin? Oh, St. Martin. Okay. Um, Cabo San Lucas, and you've been there, um, they have all these different dinner parties. Yeah, which are super fun. Like the Mexican night or like the, the, uh, the beach party night. Beach party night. Yeah. But they really didn't do the brunches. But brunch seems to be, you know, a thing, you know, like in St. Martin. You know, we just go off property and there's that nice little restaurant there. And you just, uh, you order your Belgian waffles or your uh, eggs, uh, hollandaise sauce and, you know, whatever you wanted. Well, and brunch is, you know, brunch is an interesting phenomenon you know i think it's that you know late lunch early breakfast kind of thing where you know you have places that do breakfast just late backwards early 
lunch, early lunch, late breakfast, whatever. Well, you have places that will do breakfast, but they'll do it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And you Mm -hmm. have places that will kind of extend down their lunch thing. But the thing about brunch is the menu should change. That's right. In my opinion, it should have, you know, some more savory things and some sweet things. Well, we went to one and we got there about 11, a little bit after. Which is prime beginning of brunch time, Uh, in my opinion. Not according to them. Uh, (laughs) We've changed our menu. It's the lunch menu now. (laughs) But then we went, well, actually, the three of them sat there, and I went across the street and and checked, and they go, oh, yeah, we do brunch till noon. (laughs) And I said, okay, guys, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot of places now are doing all-day brunches on Sunday. Like mm-hmm. I know Lost 40 here in town mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. a specific brunch menu mm-hmm. that they do all day on Sunday. And that's yeah. it. They don't switch their menu back to their normal menu until Monday. What? What are you having snacking over there? I see you doing. I'm just eating a waffle. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Yeah. I had a waffle and a piece of bacon from the charcuterie board, from the Bloody Mary board. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this, this is, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice little cocktail, isn't it? It really is, and it, uh, you know, you didn't have to go out and buy the new sipping cream, and you already had the rye. Yeah, so you it's know, it's just right there in the house. And most of the time, you know, it's it can be stuff that you already have in your house in general. You know, with with brunch cocktails, brunch, you know, brunch is the kind of that you were out late last night, need some food in the morning. You need a little hair of the dog to kind of wake you up. It's one of the few times where it's socially acceptable to drink a glass of some glass of alcohol before 10 a.m. <laughs> and specifically, <laughs> the Bloody Mary is the hair of the dog drink. It is. It has been named that, and I'm sticking to it now. Well, you're so you're finished with your milk punch. So, and I'm not going to be drinking a Bloody Mary. Bloody Marys are one of those things that I, I, I have not grown up enough to get behind. It's the tomato juice. Um, I just, it's not my thing. So, I'm going to keep sipping on my milk punch. If you want to start talking about your Bloody Mary, we can go ahead and and head that route. And I'll I'll throw in more stuff about my cocktails. We keep going. Well, that'd be fine. Yeah. So the hangover cure. The Bloody Mary. The hangover cure, the Bloody Mary. So some people think the Bloody Mary was named after Mary the First of England. That's she, not Mary Queen of Scots, right? That's a different one. No, that's a different one. She was the Queen of England, and she got the name the Bloody Mary. And it's an unfortunate name because what happened was there was a lot of this persecution of the Catholic Protestants, you know, all that going on. And she persecuted the Protestant heretics whom she burned at the stake. Yeah, this is before Richard, or not Richard, Henry, who moved England to Protestantism. And it's like, how did she, how did she get this name? Uh, it's, it's like I described. You know, her direct legacy may have as much to do with the facts as it does with anything. So, So she was a Catholic monarch, uh, succeeded by a Protestant queen, 
So there was a, there was all that conflict at that point. Right. So it's not named after her. No. So what is it? How did it get its name? Well, that that's very very debatable. So, you know, we've talked about Harry's in Paris, Harry's New York bar, and they claim Harry. Well, and Harry's in Venice. Harry's in Venice. Now, there's a Harry's New York bar in Paris that Ernest Hemingway like to go to, but the Harry's Harry's bar in Paris have the claim that they invented the Bloody Mary in 1921. Okay. And it simply was a, they called it the bucket of blood. (laughs) It simply was vodka and tomato juice. And so this was a bar in Paris, right? In Paris. You know, we, we think about the hair, there's lots of Harry's. In fact, Marie could tell us about the Harry's in in uh, West Lafayette, where she went to school, Purdue. Now, the thing about the Bloody Mary to me is, you know, you can make and and this this recipe that I use was a simple recipe, and like I said earlier, you go to the you go to the grocery store and you walk down that aisle of all those pre-mixes and the picture will show there's like i don't know seven eight nine it's one of the mary mixes it's one of the major cocktails that has a large foothold in the mixer market as well as the alcoholic mixer market Mm -hmm. so when i say the alcoholic mixer market it's like a pre-made drink like you know you can get the margaritas already with the tequila in it you can get a bloody mary already with the vodka in it but the you know this one that was was Harry's bar was maybe half tomato juice and half vodka. Yeah. So what's what's your recipe? My recipe that I got off the web. I had forgotten that you probably wouldn't drink one. So he made a pitcher. So I made a pitcher. I made and it's like four cups of V eight, and V eight makes. Regular V8, just the the straight fruit juice, however many different juices Ve- there are in there. Vegetable juice. Yes, vegetable juice. I said fruit. Vegetable juice, and there's eight different juices. Mm-hmm. This one's V8, and it's not the spicy one. I knew we had this conflict of spiciness, but this is four cups of V8, Three tablespoons of lemon juice. Actually, I used two really big lemons. So maybe got more than three tablespoons. Two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce. That's a lot. (laughs) That is a ton of Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) Which is why you need to get the low sodium. No, this big tea is table. It's not ton. It anyway. might as well, for Worcestershire sauce, it might as well be ton. And but then, that's, hold on, but that's, if you're going to do this recipe, that right there is one of the reasons you want to get the low sodium yes. version of VA. Yes. And then, okay, two tons of horseradish. Yeah, I'm out. And then I used, you're supposed to, we didn't have any celery salt. 
So I substituted, and it's not really a good substitute. It's like a half a teaspoon of onion salt, and then salt and pepper to taste. And then what this recipe says is it's optional to add hot pepper salt. One teaspoon. So what did you add? One teaspoon. Of which one? Frank's. Uh, oh. <laughs> Frank's is a good one. Yes, Frank's is a good one, but Frank's is a spicy one. It's a spicy one, but it's not Tabasco. It's not. It's It has Tabasco a good vinegar would, bite to it. Yeah. And then six ounces of Tito's. For every how much of juice? It's four cups of juice. Okay. I mean, that's not. Juices. Well, I yeah, know, but. Six so, ounces per four cups. So that's. But when you go on the website and say, okay, Tito, what's your recipe? They got their own. Like Ev- everybody else. Everybody does. has their own. <laughs> they got their own sauce, their, their own, own juice. Mm-hmm. So I intentionally, and that's what I said last week is you can't go wrong. I said last week, yeah, you can because this could have been. A whole lot spicier. Mm-hmm. Some people just take that Tabasco and just wham a lot in there. And they also use, I know a lot of people who use a lot of pepper in I it too. Used, yeah, I used uh, about a teaspoon of pepper and about a teaspoon of salt, regular salt. Right. So that's. Now the, but the fun part for me <laughs> is, and when you see the board, you'll get it. The fun part is, okay, it always has to have celery. It, I just that's just a given. But now, a stalk, a, a stalk of a celery. little stalk, yeah. Now, what else you want to put in there? Okay, anything you want. So, in your research about this, did you find anything about the the garnishing, like the history of the garnishing of a Bloody Mary? You know, I didn't research that, Josh. I could have. Oh, it's it's fine because you know it's like a. It's an art form. Like people, like you could have three restaurants who are right next to each other, mm-hmm. who their base of their Bloody Mary mm-hmm. is exactly the same, mm-hmm. but all their garnishes are going to be different. Like we have a place in town mm-hmm. that puts a, sli- a small slice of pizza with their Bloody Mary. Well, one of the, one of the things I did research is come up, it says a chicken breast. A chicken breast? Like a whole chicken breast? I mean, I could see a chicken wing, but a whole breast. I mean, that's just overkill. I've got the the olive. I've got the tomato. I've got the cheese. I've got the onion, the little, you know, cocktail onion. I've got the rib. I've got the bacon down in there with with the celery. Traditionally, it's a lot of things which are pickled. Yes, and, and I've got the pickled okra. So if you think about coming off of a hangover, things you need to get off of a hangover, the things you need are you need salt. Mm-hmm. You need something to help you absorb the salt. Mm-hmm. Um, vinegary, pickled things mm-hmm. are usually salty. Mm-hmm. So you don't. So those sorts of things actually help working through a hangover. The other thing, which I think is funny, is like they give you a whole bunch of food, <laughs> which is, you know, 
and it's usually high protein, high fat food, mm-hmm. and high and protein and fat are other things which help you to come off of a hangover. Mm-hmm. And if you think about brunch foods, brunch foods are a lot of times they're high protein, high mm-hmm. fat foods, which are kind of what your body begins to crave as they come off, you know, the alcohol, like when you come off a withdrawal of alcohol. Right. right. So I, I, I said this, uh, Harry's was 1921, but in 1939, there was this new recipe and it's called the Mary Rose. And it lists main ingredients of the modern, pretty much the modern Bloody Mary. It had, it had the tomato juice, of course, four dashes of salt, two dashes of black pepper, two dashes of cayenne pepper, and a layer of Worcestershire sauce. Now, I don't know what a layer. It'll float. I guess it will. I didn't know that. And then add a dash of lemon juice and some cracked ice. Put in two ounces of vodka and two ounces of thick tomato juice, shake, strain, and pour. Yeah. I mean, there are tons of recipes out there. And, like, I know people who are very particular about their base. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even the alcoholic base, but just the Bloody Mary mix. Right. That they use because they have found that it they like it the best. Where they don't have to continue to doctor it anymore. Now, we have gone down to 42, and 42 is the President Bill Clinton's library's restaurant. And a lot of times we sit, because of COVID, and even now, you have to wear your mask to get inside, and then you can go outside and and take your mask off, or even inside you can take your mask off. But Dr. Gene and I get, get the Bloody Mary. Oh man, is this spicy? Yeah, and well, and so you also a- asked for it spicy. Well, I did, and the next time I didn't, and it was the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I've also seen Bloody Mary, like old school Bloody Mary recipes, mm-hmm. that also add an egg, a whole egg to it. Boiled? No. Well, okay. yes, I've seen. No, not floating. I have seen actually a, a boiled egg as part of the, the garnish. But I've seen it as like an egg in the cocktail. Oh, that's right. Why? Fat, mm-hmm. protein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when was the first time? Do you remember the first time you had a Bloody Mary? I knew you were going to ask that, and I was trying to think of it. Or the first time you remember getting a good Bloody Mary. Well, good is relative. I th- I think good to you. I think when we lived in Olathe, Kansas, I know it was the next time I got it. That's when we lived the second part of Kansas, like nine years later. No, I th- I think I've had them in that Kansas City area at different places. There was a place called Harry Stalkers, which was downtown. Harry Stalker. It's Harry Stalker was down in the plaza area of the can of Kansas City. And that's Kansas City Motorside. I know I had a really good Bloody Mary there. It wasn't too spicy. It was like so on Tito's website, they say if your guests start sweating, 
and they're talking about their bloody from the spicy mix. <laughs> from the spice level. <laughs> they say if your guests start sweating, definitely do not apologize and serve so, them a milk. So punch. this one that I had at Harry Stalker's, I was on the verge. You know, it's like okay, it's about to pop out, but no, that okay, take another sip. <laughs> But yeah. And if they start sweating, give them a milk punch because the, the cream or whatever will counteract that heat. Well, that's right. So, you know, there's just a million different recipes, a million different garnishes. So it's like if you want to try the Bloody Mary, you know, start trying the different mixes. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Okay. I would say start figuring out what you like. Start figuring out your mix. You know, start with a with a low sodium. It doesn't have to be V8 juice. If you have another tomato juice, a tomato-based juice that you like, start with a low sodium version of that and find a recipe and just start. And do you can even do like half the recipe or you know, make it a high not a highball cocktail, but like a a double old-fashioned cocktail style. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't like that, start adding to it or make it as a, like start with tomato juice and vodka and you know, whatever else you want to put in, in a, in a, in a glass like you have, which is just a tall glass and then add to it. Take a sip. Do you want to add something else? Add it in there. So you can kind of start playing around and figuring out what you exactly like. Now, something I brought which didn't make it onto the board, but could be a good option for a, a, a garnish is this pork jerky. Oh, yeah. It's a teriyaki. They call it Korean barbecue, but it, it basically tastes like teriyaki. You should definitely try it, dip it in your, mar- dip it in your Bloody Mary and see what you think. And I think it would, I think it would go well. So you, you really just kind of figure out what you kind of like and move there. Now, in the realm of the... We'll call them the bloody beverages. <laughs> you have on there a, a thing which breweries are starting to do now for their brunch time mm-hmm. is a is a bloody beer, where you have your juice in whatever base, and rather than putting in vodka, you use a light beer mm. or a lighter style beer. I think Lost Forty does it with their day drinker. Mm. I've seen people do it with Corona. Or it's just some sort of light beer or uh, Mick, uh, Mick Ultra. Sometimes a Micheletta or a, uh, a Bloody Beer. Sometimes we'll have Mick, Michelob Ultra in it. Okay. Um, you also have a... So in the realm of you know the Bloody Beverages, you have the Bloody Beer. You also have the Bloody Maria, which you use tequila. Yes. Rather than vodka. Yes. I would not do this with anything that's wood-aged. So, like, a bourbon, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would work. No. Uh, but you could use, like, a, a rum. You could use an unaged rum. Definitely maybe. a tequila. Yeah, that's a Bloody Maria. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of variations out there. So you can, And the thing about a Bloody Mary is it's a lot on personal preference. You just kind of figure out what you like, and you go for it. How about a Bloody Fairy? With absinthe? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, I'm with neither. <laughs> I mean, in, in I less, didn't know you'd know that one. <laughs> well, so absinthe's nickname is the Green Fairy. Uh-huh. So that's why I was thinking of that. Oh, God, no. I mean, I think it's disgusting. 
And I don't really care for anise flavors, but God, that'd be like fennel and tomato. Oh, blah. no, thank you. And of course, you make it virgin if that's what you want to do. I mean, that's basically just vi- <laughs> it's I think, just the uh, tomato base. You know, Leslie uh, could help us out with that. I think. Uh, well, this is one that you don't what really. Was that vodka that uh, she brought over that was was non-alcoholic. Well, so to me, I, I don't remember the name of it, but to me, if you're gonna yeah. do a if you're gonna do a Virgin Bloody Mary, you don't even try to do anything with a with some sort of non-alcoholic distillate. Just do the juice, make right. the base how you want to make it, and drink it. Right. Because, I mean, what else are you gonna do? Like, I don't, I don't think any of those distillates are gonna add to it. I don't think vodka actually adds anything to a Bloody Mary. It really doesn't. It's, I mean, vodka's, vodka's tasteless. Vodka? No, we have done a vodka show. Vodka is not tasteless. Okay. Vodka disappears very easily in cocktails. It can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could use gin if you really wanted to. In a Bloody Mary. I would stick to I would stick to things like we talked about that are a little bit more neutral. So, right. white tequila, white rum, you know, vodka, those sorts of things. So, I don't I couldn't find anything that really told me why the celery stalk Something to but eat. I think it has to do, <laughs> yes, I think it has to do with hair of the dog. We're going to try this drink and we're going to eat some. I think it's just, I think it's a cheap, I think it's a cheap garnish. Right. That's, that's all I think it is, is a cheap vegetable garnish, something you can chew on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, you kind of took my fire on this. Uh, <laughs> the red snapper. What's that? Oh, it's gin. Instead of vodka. Okay. And, of course, another thing to do is the shrimp cocktail. You know, make a seafood Bloody Mary. Now, do you know what a Caesar is? So, a Caesar is a Bloody Mary, but rather than tomato juice, you use Clamato. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is clam tomato juice. Uh Uh-huh, right. And so, that's a Caesar. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can do the same things with a Caesar that you can do. You just use Clamato or a clam tomato juice. So there is uh, El Floridata tomatillos. It has tomatillos in it. Like I said, like we've said, there's just lots that you can do with this as we're moving forward. So I think a challenge to our listeners is for them to do some testing and send us, you know, send us their comments. Uh, at acquiredtastings at gmail.com. Or if you make yourself a Bloody Mary and tag us on social media when you post it, we'll be able to see it. If it's on your story, we'll definitely give it a repost. Mm-hmm. We'd, love to, we'd love to see what kind of Bloody Marys you guys come up with mm-hmm. out there. Because like I said, it's so, it's so versatile and so flexible. Okay. Well, not sure I have much more, Josh. Uh, yeah, I think we're kind of winding it down but coming up next week we are closing in on a hundred episodes and dad and i are actually in kind of talks about what we're going to do for a hundred or if we're going to just wait until two years which is just you know six six episodes after 100 so be watching out for that to see what we're going to be doing we may do something live we may have kind of a phone in or whatever but we'll just kind of 
be looking for us. We are very happy that we're closing, that we have to have this decision because mm-hmm. closing in on 100 episodes, it's crazy. We're also closing in on 10,000 overall downloads, which is exciting to see. We just are very appreciative that you guys have stuck with us or that you have joined us along this journey because it is, it's been a great time. And it's been a great way to get through COVID and just a lot of other things that have been happening. So next week we're doing wines. Yeah, Josh. So what, what's our theme for next week, dad? I think wines that you like to drink in the summer. In the, so summer wines, wines where it starts to get warm outside. And you just want to drink these because it's hot and it's going to be easy to drink. So what are you going to be doing next week? Uh, the Kirkland Sauvignon Blanc. All right. That'll be, that'll be really nice and, and easy and fun to drink. And what are you going to do, Josh? So the wine that I'm going to do, as long as I can find it, is the, the Raspberry Mushroom Riesling from Teutonic Wines out in Oregon. Mm. So... uh. Uh, I've had it before, and I want to try it again. It's a really, really fun wine, so I, re- I really hope that I can find it. It'll be uh, it'll be lots of fun. So I'm going to do the raspberry mushroom riesling from Teutonic Winery for my summer wine. That sounds pretty special. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fun wine, and I can't. I hope I get to find it so I get to talk about it. Okay. Well, and so we are very happy to have you guys along with us. We hope you enjoyed this wonderful cocktail episode. Give us. Give us a like, follow, a subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you really enjoy what we're doing here. You know, we're out there on all the social media. Give us a like, follow, whatever it is on your favorite social media platform. Reach out to us. Like I said, you know, let us see what what brunch cocktails you're making. Tag us out there on your on your stories or on your posts, and we'll definitely give you a repost out there to all of our fans. And if you just want to send us an email, remember we're acquired tastings at gmail.com. Another great episode, Dad. I think so. I yeah. enjoyed this one. Yeah, it's lots of fun. So cocktail ones are always always super fun to do. So until next week, once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>